And so, Father, we are gathered here this morning to encounter nobody else but you. And so I'm praying that you take this stage, Lord, that you would take this place, Lord, you'd fill it with your presence. Lord, I pray for every individual here. They're in need of something. And, Lord, I pray that you would deliver. And, Lord, I'm praying you would hide me behind the cross. Help me remember all those things I studied for. Help me say only what you'd have me to say. Lord, keep me from saying those things you don't want me to speak about. And I'm praying, Lord, that you would just bless this place this morning. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. I am so thankful to have another opportunity uh, uh, of being in this position on this platform uh, I apologize last time. Last time I had this opportunity, I apologized to you because I figured most of you maybe bring somebody, a friend or a relative, and you say, you really need to come here, or a pastor, you need to come, he's a dynamic man, he preaches, oh my goodness, you ought to hear him preach, he's fantastic, and I, so I gave you kind of an apology, I'm sorry, all right, I'm here instead of Pastor Malcolm, I'm not giving you an apology this time, all right, this is just, this is what it is, y'all just buckle up and here we go, um, We're just going to go with it. Uh, Pastor Malcolm is out of town. He's in Kentucky. Uh, He is not coon hunting. He's not fishing. He's actually up there uh, in in the process of helping a church. There's a pastor that called and said, we just need your help. He's impressed about what Temple has. And he says, I want you to teach me about what Temple does. And so he's up there in Kentucky helping this pastor, and he's preaching this morning, doing a couple of other things. So y'all be praying for Pastor Malcolm as, as uh, he's doing the Lord's work somewhere else. Um, Buchanan, Pastor Buchanan's over in Fairview. He's preaching the word this morning, which is good for me, right? Am I, am I, am I mistaken? Because if, if, if i got to stay in this little square, we're going to have some problems. Um, <laughs> So if, if I'm not being live streamed over there, I'm going to walk back and forth this stage, and, and we'll just have a good time doing it. Um, I, I, was, I was very, uh, man, you guys are awesome. I, I was just blown away by the response, uh, people encouraging me, writing uh, positive things on Facebook, and, and, and just coming and telling me, hey, that message you preached, was, it, it helped me. It helped me a lot. People constantly coming and saying, that Me Too stuff Woo, that Me Too stuff has worked. And, and I was thinking, that's great. I think I set the bar too high. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to preach that same message again this Sunday. <laughs> um, actually, actually, if you go ahead and get your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 5 this morning. That's where we're going to be is John chapter 5. And, and uh, another very familiar text for a lot of us. And, and I'm just praying God will say something to you through this, this wonderful, wonderful word of his. Um, in John chapter 5, we, we, we encounter this man that has been in a condition for a long time. And he's been coming to this pool called Bethesda in the hopes of being healed. And so we read in verse 1, it says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity. Listen, circle that, underline that. Thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Y'all circle this phrase, 
because this is the title of the message this morning, Wilt Thou Be Made Whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. And that's where we're going to be ending today is verse 9. Uh, this is powerful stuff here. And I, I read this. I read this whole phrase. I read this whole section, and I, I, was, I was just amazed. You know, here's Jesus performing this miracle. All his miracles have a purpose, and he's performing this miracle, doing wonderful things. And, 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 but the thing he does first is he walks up to this man, and he asks him a question. He asks him a question. And I'm thinking, this is kind of a dumb question. You have to be careful about that because Jesus don't ask dumb questions. But I feel like it's a dumb question because he comes up to this man who's been in this condition for 38 years. He's at the pool of Bethesda. It is rumored that this pool can heal you. The water begins to bubble and move. And if you can get into the water first, then you can be healed of whatever ailment you have, whatever condition you are in. If you step into that water, the moment it begins to move, then you can be healed. And this man has been coming here and trying to get healed, but he is in such a bad way, he can't maneuver himself, he can't even move to get down into the water. So the first thing we see is the man's condition. We see the man's condition. So for 38 years, he's been in this condition. He's getting down to the pool. He can't get into the water. And he's just suffering. He's there for the purpose of being healed. And then Jesus walks up and asks him this question. Wilt thou be made whole? In other words, do you want to be better? And I see this question, and I think that's a silly question. Of course he wants to be better. He has been coming here for 38 years. He's suffering. He can't heal himself and he can't get to where he needs to be healed. He is suffering. Of course he wants to be better. But you see, when Jesus asks a question, it's, it's much more deeper than just a question. There's more to it than just a question. What is he saying here? <laughs> Do you want to be better? You know what he's saying? He's, he's trying to, to make sure that this man understands that he has a need. This very first thing he's doing, he's wanting this man to understand that he does, in fact, have a need. And that's hard for, for some of us to say that we have a need. A lot of us don't want to experience a need. Because a need testifies to the fact that you are imperfect. A need testifies to the fact that you are weak. A need testifies to the fact that you are broken. A need testifies to the fact that you are empty. But how can God fill you if you are not first empty? And so he has to understand that he has a condition that he is in need of help. And so Jesus asked him a very simple question, Will thou be made whole? Do you want to be better? Do you, in fact, have a condition that I can help you with? But on more than that, this man is being asked this question because, quite simply, there's a lot of people, and there's probably several in this place right now. A lot of people, you're in a condition, a terrible condition. But you just might not want to get better. You're, you're in a bad way. You're going through some stuff. But you just might not want to be better. 
And you think, well, Andrew, I don't understand what that means. What are you saying here? I think Jesus is asking this question to this man, do you want to be better? Because a lot of times we find ourselves in a terrible condition, but we have learned to find comfort in the condition. I'll just stay here because it's convenient to be in this condition. I'll stay here because, you know what? I don't, I've given up the fight. I no longer fight to get out of the condition. So I'm just, I'm just going to learn to live in the condition. Maybe you're one of the people, and I have encountered a lot of these people, that you receive so much attention in your condition that you don't want to lose the attention you receive in your condition. And so here's the question being asked, wilt thou be made whole? It's because this man is in a condition, but this man has to be willing and ready to change. He's never going to push himself. Jesus is never going to push a healing on somebody that's not ready to receive it. He's never going to push salvation on someone who's not ready to receive him. He's, if you're in a condition, he's just going to come alongside you and say, hey, are you ready to be better yet? And you have to be the one that discerns and, a- and answers the question, yes, yes, I want to be made better. I want to change. I want to be different. I've been this way for so long. There's, I, don't want to, I don't want to imply that I'm an expert on this situation. I don't want to imply that I have all the answers. I don't want to imply that I know everything there is about this particular situation. But in my years of ministry, I've encountered a lot of women who are in abusive relationships. And it's terrible. And I know there's a lot that goes into that. I'm not trying to pretend I know everything there is about a woman in an abusive relationship, but I've often asked the question, why do you keep going back? Why do you keep going? It's a terrible condition you're in. Why do you keep staying in it? And I I looked up an article that had the top nine reasons women stay in abusive relationships. One of the reasons was... There's an attachment to the relationship. Another reason was this. It's because they have become familiar to the abuse. In other words, they know their condition is bad. But they have just become comfortable to it. They have become familiar with it. And you can ask them, do you want to be made better? But they'll say, yeah. But they're not willing to do anything to get out of it. Again, I'm not pretending to know everything there is to know about that type of situation. But I've talked to women and I've asked a question, why do you keep coming back? One woman told me, um, told me that it's all I know. It's all I know. You know what she was telling me? She has become familiar with her condition. She is comfortable. She is convenient. No matter how bad it is, she has found peace in the chaos. And she's not ready to be made better. Let's go with something I know a lot about. You might look at me and ask, Andrew, do you want to lose some weight? (laughs) All right, this is something I'm familiar with. I'm an expert on on me and my weight condition. All right, so I can speak out of truth. You might ask me, Brother Andrew, would you like to lose some weight? And you know what I would say? Yes, I do. But you will catch me at the buffet before you'll ever catch me on the treadmill. Okay? I'm just being honest and real with you. I know what my condition is. I want to be better at my condition. I want to get healthy, but I'm not willing to do what it takes to step out of my condition. Here is what I'm trying to say to you. It's because some of us don't want to get out of our condition because it takes more work to get out of our condition than it does to stay in our condition. It is more convenient for us time-wise to just stay where we're at than to do the work that it takes to get out of it. What about your marriages? Wilt thou be made whole? Are are you ready for your marriage to be successful? 
for you to be happy. But you know what? Sometimes it's easier just to go home and fight than it is to actually do the practical work the therapist told you to do. You talk about wanting to be better, but you're not really ready to be better. Don't you want to have a a better relationship with your child? Don't you want them to respect you? But you know what? You don't like to see your child get angry, and so you never put restrictions. You never ground, and you, so you just say, you know what? I really want my relationship to be better with my child, but you don't really do anything for that relationship to be better. And so the question I'm asking you this morning is, will that be made whole? Are you ready to be restored, to be rescued from your condition? Because sometimes the worst thing that happens to us is that we become lazy in our condition. We become lazy in our condition. So this is a very important question that Jesus is asking. It's not just, are you ready to be better? He's saying, hey, I have an answer. Are you ready to receive it? I have a solution. See, some of you, some of you need to take our marriage class that we offer here at Temple. Some of you need to take our parenting class that we offer here at Temple. Some of you need to take our financial peace class that we offer here at Temple. Some of you need to come to Life Recovery that we offer here at Temple. But you know what that means? People might see you. They might see you show up. They might see you do something that is not, they they know you one way, and all of a sudden you walk in on Life Recovery, and they're going to look at you and say, hey, what's wrong with you? And so in an effort to save face, in an effort to save your reputation, you would just rather stay at home rather than be made whole. You know you're in a bad condition, and you might have been in this condition for a long time, but when the question is posed to you, do you want to be made whole, you just say, what does it take to be made whole? Because I'm not ready to do what it takes. I'm not ready for that. And so you're staying in your condition to try to save face with your family and your friends. Uh, Pastor Jeff Robertson gave me a quote. He says they use this a lot in life recovery. He says, where do you pray for your harvest? He says, at the end of the handle of the hoe, not from the front porch. In other words, if you want to see success, you got to be working at it. you got to be struggling at it. you got to want it. You can't just sit on the porch and say, I sure hope my corn grows. No, you've got to be out there working at it and digging at it and planting them seeds and doing the work that it takes. And some of us are in such a bad condition, but we ain't ready to go pick up the hoe and get to work about it. We just want to complain about it. We want to talk about it, but we don't want to put any action to it. And so this question is a very important question to us this morning. The question is, wilt thou be made whole? Are you ready? So we see the man's condition, but then we see the concern of Jesus. When Jesus saw him lie, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, a long time in that case, he saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? So I want you to look at the first part of this verse. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. You know what this verse speaks of? Speaks of the intimate knowledge that Jesus has with his children. He saw this man and he knew his condition and he knew how long he had been in that condition. (laughs) This verse speaks to the intimacy of Jesus. Listen, can I tell you, church, 
My Savior sees you. He knows your condition. And he knows how long you've been in that condition. He is intimately aware of everything you are going through at this very moment. And he's wanting to come alongside of you and simply ask you, Wilt thou be made whole? He wants to know, are you ready to be changed? Jesus knows your condition. Jesus saw him. That's such a powerful phrase there. Jesus saw him. Because at the, in, this verse, in these verses you see that there is a multitude of broken people at this pool of Bethesda. There is a multitude of crippled, hurting people in need of help at this pool. But Jesus saw that man. Jesus saw him. And I want to tell you. There was a moment at 13 years old in Tillman's Corner First Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama, when my friend invited me, his name was Ryan Conklin, to come to this youth rally. There was a thousand people there that night, and that preacher began to preach, and I remember gripping that pew so hard in front of me, my knuckles began to turn white. The altar call was given. My friend Ryan looked at me and says, Andrew, do you need to go out on front? I said, yes, I do. And out of a thousand people, Jesus saw me that night. I am so thankful that he is intimately aware of our condition. I'm so, I'm so glad that he sees us in the midst of a crowd and he knows you. He might have seen you on a Sunday morning. He might have seen you on a Wednesday night. He might have seen you at a Christian concert. You might have been home alone praying by yourself, but he still saw you. And he knows your condition. And he knows how long you've been in that condition. He knows everything about you. Everything. And you, that might be a little scary to you because there's a lot of things you want to keep hidden. You want to keep in the dark recesses of your heart and your mind. You don't want anybody to know some of the things you're in. You don't want people to know the condition you have. And so you put, here's, here's something Christians are good at, pretending. We are great pretenders. We pretend we got it together we pretend we ain't broken. We pretend that we are 100%, but quietly inside we are struggling. And we try to keep that struggle hidden. And for Jesus to know that you have a struggle is terrifying to you. You don't want him to know. You don't want him to see. This is terrifying. He sees you, folks. Let me tell you, he sees you. He knows you, and he still loves you. No matter what you try to hide, no matter what you try to shelter, he, sti he still sees it, and he still loves you. There's nothing that has ever taken him by surprise. He is a God of all knowledge. There's nothing you can ever hide from him. So why don't we just go ahead and deal with it? Why don't we go ahead and put it on front street and say, God, this is what I'm dealing with, and I need some help. I'm ready to be made whole. But a lot of times we try to keep it sheltered, but we have to come to the realization that he sees you, and he knows your condition, and he knows how long you've been in that condition, and he's ready to help and to heal, and we have to respond to that. He's asking this morning, do you want to be made whole? Next, we see this man's community. <laughs> this man's community. He needed some help. He, he tells Jesus, I need some help. What does he say? Verse 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. 
But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Man, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. He didn't have any help. I, I don't know if you caught this. It took me a minute to catch this and see this. But I want to point out something to you. This man had someone in his life who cared enough about him to carry him to the pool, but didn't have someone that cared enough about him to put him into the pool. I still don't think you understood that. There's, there, this man had people that would carry him to the pool to get healed, but didn't care enough about him to stay with him during the day so when the water moved, they could put him into the pool first. <laughs> in other words, he had people who helped him in his condition, but didn't have anybody that would help him out of his condition. Hmm. That is how we are sometimes. We'll do the bare minimum to help somebody in their condition, but Lord, help us if we've got to exert some effort to help them out of their condition. Right. Lord, help us if it inconveniences us to go and help them and stay with them to help them out of their condition. You know what we call these people? We call them enablers. Amen. Enablers. Families who have drug addicts, listen, I'm, again, I'm not spe speaking as an expert on this situation either. I know it's a very complex spider web of a situation. But I know when there's families who have drug addicts, they will just give that relative or that family member, uh, uh, that, a friend, they'll just give them some money to go buy some more drugs because they don't want them to see, they don't want to see them suffer from withdrawals. Or they don't want to see that family member or that friend to go and do something illegal to try to go get the money necessary to go buy more drugs. And so they will just give them money to go and help them in their condition, but they won't do anything to help them out of their condition. They just do the bare minimum. I've seen it time and time and time again. How many times have we had the opportunity to help someone that's in need, but instead of helping them out of their condition, we'll just simply smile and say, I'll pray for you, and we walk the other way, and we even forget to pray about them. We just do the bare minimum to help people these days. We are not a very loving people anymore. We just do the bare minimum, and here's this man being dropped off at the pool. And nobody's there to love him, to bring him into the pool. How many times have we walked past someone in need and we just turned the other way? How many times have we come to a red light and lock our doors because we were just a little terrified there's a homeless man out there. He might want to get me. And so we lock our doors. We don't try to engage with them. We don't try to help the broken. We don't try to intercede on the suffering of others. We just do the bare minimum to help somebody in their condition. But Lord, help us if we got to do anything more to help them out of their condition. And there's a lot of people, the church would just get active and start looking at opportunities we could help a lot of people out of their condition we could help a lot of people get freedom from what they're struggling with we could help a lot of people have broken chains in their life but lord help us if that inconveniences me so i'll just help them in their need james 2 15 through 17 says if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say unto them depart in peace be ye warmed and filled Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. If you see somebody in need and you have the ability to help them and you do not help them, James says your faith is dead. Right. <laughs> so maybe you're here this morning and you've heard me preach about the man's condition and, and you can't really share in that. Your condition's pretty good right now. 
Things are going great. You're healthy. Your job is doing well. Your parents are loving you. You're loving them. Your kids are loving you, and you're loving them. Everything, your marriage, man, you could tell Dr. Phil how to counsel a marriage. You are doing great condition-wise. But maybe I just need to ask the question, who have you been dropping off at the pool? Who have you been dropping off at the pool? Who have you been enabling? Who could you help out of their condition, but have only been doing enough to help them in their condition? Who have you been dropping off at the pool? (laughs) This man needed help. (laughs) And here comes Jesus. This man had no friends. This man had no hope. This man had no power. He is completely broken and and unable to help himself. He is in a bad way. And then here comes Jesus, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that my Jesus is a friend to the friendless. And I'm so thankful that my Jesus is hope to the hopeless. And I'm so thankful that my Jesus is power to the powerless. I'm so thankful that my Jesus walked by. And so you might be thinking, Brother Andrew, I hear what you're saying about helping people out of their condition, but I really want to do that, but I'm not able to help people out of their condition. I'm in a pretty bad condition myself, and I hear what you're saying, and I want to get active in that, but how do I do this? And here's what I want to say. Maybe instead of dropping them off at the pool, you drop them off at the cross. Maybe you introduce them to somebody who can help them. Maybe your job is instead of just helping them in their condition, you take them right to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't have the money that's necessary, but I understand you're infinitely wealthy, and I don't have the power that's needed, but I understand you're infinitely powerful, and I don't have all the time in the world, but God, you are outside of time. There's nothing that constrains you, and so I'm bringing my friend to you. I'm bringing him to the cross of Calvary, and I'm asking that you save him and that you help him. Get back on his feet. You help them out of their condition. And so maybe in this room, you've been a little convicted saying, there's people I'm trying to help, but I'm not doing enough. I want to ask you the question, have you brought them to Jesus yet? Because obviously this man has been coming to this pool for 30-something years, and he hasn't received the help he needed until Jesus came by. Maybe you are the vessel that brings this person to the cross instead of the pool. Maybe you are that individual that can impact this man or this woman that you have been loving and caring for. Maybe this is what you need to do. Drop him off at the cross instead of the pool. Then we see the hope he needed. Verse 7 again. He says, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. <laughs> I love this. I, I, I love this because we see here the great physician, the king of the universe the creator of all things, standing right next to this crippled man. And Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? (laughs) And this man says, yeah, I just can't get in the pool. The king of the universe is standing next to him, and he's still fixated on getting in that pool. How many times have we had access to God, and we still think of worldly ways that we can get out of our condition? How many times have we had the Savior of all people standing next to us and says, Wilt thou be made whole? And he says, Yeah, if I can just get this bonus. (laughs) He's saying, You're missing the point. I'm right here. I'm at your access. I I want to help you. 
And yet, this man was still consumed by what the world had to offer to get out of his condition. He didn't even recognize the king of kings was standing right next to him. He says, if I can just get in that water, everything will be okay. And Jesus is saying, man, I'm right here. I am the living water. You need to quit worrying about that water. I'm the living water. I'm the one that can help you. I'm the one that can set you free. All you need is me. All you need is me. Let's look a little even deeper at this. For 38 years, he's been in this condition. I'm not sure how long he's been coming to this pool, but it's been a long time he's been coming here for healing. For 38 years, he's been crippled. For 38 years, he's been lame. And I just want you to think about this. I don't know if there's any place more emotionally and more mentally and more spiritually destructive than to watch others receive what you stand in need of. (laughs) For years he's been coming. And let's be honest, it's hard to pretend to be happy when someone gets what you need. It's hard to be, it's hard to be uh, really, really celebratory when, when people are getting the blessings you've been praying for, for your own life. And you're having to say, oh, that's awesome, God is good. It's, sometimes it's a little difficult to be happy to keep watching people get the blessings and the healings and everything, the miracles that you need. You keep watching others receive it, and for years and for years and for years, you keep going without receiving that one thing you've been needing. And this man, for years, has been watching others get in this pool and get healed, get in this pool and get healed, get in this pool and get healed. And he's watching you say, when is my turn? When is it my turn? Maybe you need a, re- a promotion. You've been at this company for 15 years, and the man down the hall has been here for six months, and he gets that promotion you've been wanting. Yeah. Kind of hard to be excited about that man, isn't it? Yeah. How, about, how about you see your neighbor do a big, ridiculous remodel on their house, and it's beautiful. They're putting in granite countertops and marble floors, and you're trying to stomp the roaches out of yours. It's kind of hard to be happy for your neighbor when yours is coming apart. How about you see your friend get a brand new car, and it is pretty, and it smells good. Every brand new car smells great. And you see this car, and you're just so in awe of it. You're so happy for them. But then you go back in your car in the morning, and you just say a little prayer. Come on, old faithful, please crank this morning. we got to get to work. And so you just pray that your car will crank, but you see other people buying new cars. It's kind of hard to be happy for them when your car is falling apart. Or maybe your kid comes back from visiting a friend, and they start asking, Hey, Mama, how come their house is so big and pretty? and they got all these toys and their mama doesn't burn the food and you say you better get out of here it's kind of hard to be happy it's kind of hard to be happy for your friends and for your your kids friends when everything in your house is coming apart maybe you've been praying for God's direction in your life and your friend comes and tells you they've been placed in a new ministry and that ministry is growing and doing fantastic things and and you're you're trying to pretend to be happy but can i tell you ministry envy is a very real thing pastors suffer with it all the time you know how many times pastor malcolm has come under attack of other preachers and other pastors because their church is failing and this church is growing and so they start throwing darts at pastor malcolm and it's because of ministry envy it's kind of hard to be happy for another church that's growing when your church is falling apart how do you respond when others around you are being blessed and you are still seated at the edge of the pool? What is your response to that? When you see others getting healed and getting blessed and getting promotions and all this, all this success, and you're still at the edge of the pool saying, when's my turn? 
How is your response? What do you say? What do you do in that situation? (laughs) This man had to watch others receive something that he, in my opinion, needed worse than they did because he was so crippled he couldn't get up and do it by himself. He was physically unable to claim what he needed. And for years he had to watch people who were more mobile than he was, watch people who had better ability than he did, get up and get into the pool and get healed. He had to watch it over and over again. And he is in a worse condition than they are, and yet they are getting the blessing that he needs. How many times have we been in a pitiful condition, a bad place, and we watch others get set free and get redemption and get clarity on their condition, and we still sit in it, and we're thinking, this doesn't make sense. I'm in more need of that than they are. Sometimes our heart can be battered and bruised when we were in a condition for a long time. But there's good news. There's good news. Because now we come to one of my favorite parts of the message. It's the man's curing. The man's curing. In verse 8, I want you to read this word. It says, Jesus saith unto him, read that word with me, rise. Say it again, rise. Jesus saith unto him, I want you to rise. Get up. Take up thy bed and walk. Now, this is a very, very cool word because there's power in this word. There is authority in this word. For years, he would have been taken to this place, but this moment, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a fork in the road. There's a man talking to him, but for some reason, when this man says rise, there's authority when he says rise. All of a sudden, this man begins to feel the muscles start to tighten in his legs. All of a sudden, he feels the bones begin to strengthen. All of a sudden, he feels his heart begin to pump, and all of a sudden, he says, something's different when this man says rise. There's something different. There's something taking place in me when this man says rise rise. There's authority when he says rise. There's something, and all of a sudden he begins to maneuver his feet underneath his, his legs, and all of a sudden he moves his feet under his leg, and he begins to stand, and all of a sudden he is risen. He is standing. He has been delivered. This is powerful because let me tell you, for 38 years, for 38 years, don't you think there's been points in his life where he has tried to will himself to rise? Don't you think there's been moments in his life where he's just thinking, okay, if I can just do this, I can be better. And he'd he'd try to pull up on something to try to rise, but he couldn't do it on his own. He was still broken. He He was still in need of healing for 38 years. Don't you think he has tried to get up for 38 years? He's tried to stand, but something was different when this man said rise. Some of the some of you in this room may have been battling something for a while. Something that has defeated you time and time and time again. You have been battling it and struggling with it for years and years. (laughs) And you've tried to have deliverance from it. You have short bursts of freedom. Maybe a good three weeks, a month. You you have conquered this thing. And then you fall right back into it. You've tried to do it on your own over and over and over again. You tried to have success. You tried to do what was needed to do to get out of your condition, but then you fall right back into it. And you found yourself unable to be released from the condition you are in. But Jesus is next to you right now, and he's saying, will that be made whole? Rise. And you have an ultimatum. Will you trust him? That he is able. Will you trust that his, he has all authority? Will you believe in him this morning? That he is able to take you out of your condition? Will you believe that he is able to do what you have never been able to do? 
Will you rise? Will you stand up in power and authority this morning? And lastly, we see the physical deliverance. The physical deliverance. What I love about this. Hey, I love this part. Verse 8 still. This is Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. <laughs> so I, I, I meant to bring a blanket from the house, and I forgot. Mindy gave me a children's blanket, so you're going to have to use your imagination. <laughs> it's got a little, was that a giraffe? It's got a giraffe on it. Okay, I'm sure this man's blanket didn't have an embroidered giraffe on it. But this would have been symbolic of, of what this man would have been carried on. He might have two people, one grabbing each end and carrying him to the pool and then dropping him off. And he would have laid on this blanket all day long at the edge of the pool. All day long he would have laid there. And at the end of the day, his friends would have come and picked him up and they would take took him back home and then dropped him off at the house. Next day his friends came and picked him up. They would take him on his blanket and they would pull him all the way back to the pool and then drop him off. But this day was different. This day was different. Somebody walked by his way. His name was Jesus Christ. And he says, do you want to be made whole? And he says, I just can't get in that pool. And Jesus says, hey, don't worry about that. Rise. Rise. And what else does he tell him? He says, take up thy bed and walk. And I want, you to, tell, I want to tell you something. This word walk here is, 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 a, is a, a walk and keep walking. Walk and keep walking. Walking. In other words, what is Jesus saying? He says, I want you to have victory over this thing. I want you to rise, take up your bed. Think about this. For 38 years, this man would have been carried on this blanket back and forth to the pool and back and forth to the home for 38 years. But for the first time in 38 years, this man is carrying the bed. The first time in 38 years. This thing which has been a sign of his defeat, the sign of, of, of his inability, the sign of his brokenness for the first time in 38 years, he just picks it up and carries it on out the door. For 38 years, this has been a symbol of his defeat. But for the first time, Jesus says, hey, you got victory over it. I want you to throw that thing over your shoulder. And you're, you're just going to walk and you're going to keep on walking. Why? He's saying move away from this place. You don't need to come back here anymore. You're not in need of this anymore. Keep on walking and keep on going. In this word, keep on walking, keep on going. You know why he's saying this? He's saying this because he don't ever want to see you relapse. He don't want to ever see you back in that condition you were three months from now. When Jesus gives you victory, when Jesus saves your soul, when Jesus defeats that thing that's been defeating you, he's saying, I want you to have victory over this thing. Don't you ever come back to this place again. Just get up and keep walking. Keep walking. Jesus doesn't believe in temporary deliverance. He wants you to have permanent deliverance. You and I. There was a time where you and I were in a bad place before we met Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that we were, in a, we were dead to trespasses of our sin. We were in a bad place. And then Jesus comes by our way and says, will that be made whole? Do you want me to save you? Do you want me to rescue you? And our response should be, yes, absolutely. In this place right now, in this place right now, there are people that are standing in need of some type of deliverance some type of help. Maybe you're in this room right now and you don't know who Jesus is. You've never been saved. You've been coming maybe for a while. Maybe, for, maybe this is your first time. You don't know who Jesus is. 
you don't have a relationship with him, and, and you've been coming and you're curious. I want I want to tell you something. If that man at that pool that day did not listen to Jesus, if he ignored what Jesus said, he would have left the same way he came that day. But because he responded, because he received what Jesus was telling him to do, he didn't, he didn't leave the same way he came. He walked on his own accord out of that place. And so the question is this morning is that Jesus is asking you a question. He's saying, will thou be made whole? And you have, you have a dilemma on your hands. You can, you can come out the same way you came in, in the same condition, or you can leave walking a different way. What are you going to do today? Will thou be made whole? Will you be set free? Will you allow him to change your situation? Will you allow him to encounter you and you to be his and him to be yours? I want, I want to encourage you with something because you might be saying, Andrew, I'm just too broken for him to want me. I'm just too messed up for him to ever want to have a, part, a piece of me. And, and I taught a lesson in TSM a few weeks ago on the doctrine of adoption. And I want you to understand that when it comes to being a child of God, there is no such thing as a natural-born child of God. Every child, every daughter, every son of his was adopted into the family. And, and this is what I understand. I, I don't know a whole lot about biology and stuff, but I do know that sometimes people have babies on accident. Uh-oh, right? Sometimes people have babies on accident. But you never adopt on accident. You never, you never adopt a baby on accident. It's always on purpose. It's always intentional. And so when he adopts you and I, it wasn't, uh-oh. It was, I, I know everything about you. I know your brokenness. I know your scars. I know your baggage. But I just love you so much that I want to adopt you into my family. And so I want you to understand this this morning. There is nobody in this place this morning that is too broken, too beat up, and too scarred that God does not want to adopt you into his family. He loves you so very much. And so the question this morning is, will thou be made whole? Yeah. Will thou be made whole? Will you be set free? Or are you just going to keep sitting at the edge, kicking your feet, wondering, when is it my turn? So what I want to ask you to do is, if everybody would stand, I'm going to ask Jalen and the musicians to come up front. I want to have a time of response, and this is something that... Uh, I think it's necessary because I feel like there's some people in this room, in this building right now, that need to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so the questioning is being posed to you right now. Will that be made whole? Will you come and respond to what Jesus is asking you? Will you be made different? Here's, it's going to require something of you. Like this man was told, rise up and walk. I'm going to challenge you. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, I'm going to challenge you. Will you rise up and walk down to this altar? Will you respond to the words of Jesus this morning and find someone to talk with you and pray with you? Hey, you might be in this building right now and you've been a Christian for a long time, but you've been stuck in a condition. You've been broken and hurting and you're in a bad, bad way and you've heard the sweet, sweet voice of Jesus come and whisper to you this morning, wilt thou be made whole? And you have a choice to make. Will you respond or will you just sit there? Will you do something about it are you, are you kind of weighing the odds? You know, it's a little more convenient for me to be in my condition than to get out of my condition. Hey, we need to quit that. We need to take that step and, and walk to the altar. 
and be made whole this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this morning and this opportunity. I'm praying right now for those in this room that may need to know